I'm Bo Jacobson. Um, we're going to be talking about eating disorders today, and um, I want to first say that I was lucky enough to have this opportunity to share this on a national media source, and I think they did a really good job of explaining the situation um, without talking about the uh, church side of it, the spirit side of it. This is a very sensitive topic for a lot of people, so I know a lot of people might be uncomfortable raising their hands and asking questions. If that's the case, I have posted a question on my Instagram story, so you can ask it there, and it'll be completely anonymous to the rest of the group. And we'll check that and do a quick Q&A at the end. Um, a few years ago, and it was, it was a super cool opportunity. I, I just, I felt like God was calling me to share my story, and I put it on a blog, and then that ended up happening. And, and a lot of people ask me, and I, you know, the first question I get a lot is, do you regret having an eating disorder? Um, my answer to that question is, is no. And the reason is, is, would I go back and do it again? Absolutely not. Would I wish on my worst enemy? Absolutely not. But each one of us, mine happens just to be with an eating disorder, but each one of us can use our testimony to help the others around us, and I've been able to do that by, by the grace of God. So, little step back. I'm born and raised Lutheran. Uh, go to the same church that I've gone to my whole life. So I've been a member there 27 years, which blows people, which, which is so much fun. Because you get in meetings and they're like, oh, how long have you been a member? I'm like, 27 years. And they're like, uh, um, and they're like 60 and they're like, I've only been here like five. They're like, how, this doesn't add up. This math doesn't make sense. So I'm like, oh, it does. Um, but so I've been there. That's in Hearst, Texas at Peace Lutheran Church. We've got a couple of uh, adults here from there from my uh, co-chaperones. Uh-huh. They're quiet. Um, and I, I, I was raised growing up. My dad's in ministry. My mom's that typical lady that sings in the choir and is like a music teacher at preschool. And I had a relationship with Christ from a very early age. And I was leading Bible studies throughout middle school. Um, but I just really liked to overeat. And I, and it led to a trickle-down effect where I started gaining weight. I started getting called um, fat, and I then coped by eating. So I became larger, and I think if you click through the next couple of pictures here. So this is when I was 16 on the y'all's left, and um, I thought I was real hardcore. Look at me there. Like, just got my driver's license, like mean mugging. And um, this actually right here is a pretty significant picture. Um, this is the picture that made me finally decide that I wanted to lose weight. Uh, it's actually a really bad picture. It would be like if someone came up and took a selfie under your, under your face. But all, this is all I saw. It was actually at a performance um, that I was doing of a USO show. And we got up there, and this made me lose weight. And I originally started losing weight in a healthy way. I did food swaps. I used to go to um, CC's and eat like 25 slices of pizza at a time or go to Chipotle and get like three burritos and chips and guac. And I just started going to like Subway. Like I was literally like, I was like Jared. Like I just swapped with, swapped with Subway. And I started losing weight healthy and I already, I played football growing up. So when I turned down the scholarship offers that I had, I decided that I was gonna lose the weight. So I had the workout regimen down and then eventually results slowed down. I saw a picture of myself where I thought I had gone off to college, 
and I, I saw it, and I thought I had gained weight back. And I, I, whether I did or not, that's not the point, but I was so scared of being big again that it led to an eating disorder. I think some of these next pictures um, should be of that. So, like I said, this, this picture here, this was at a, uh, I went to Texas Tech University, guns up, wreck them, and we held a camp for incoming freshmen, a Christian camp, it was three days, it's called Foundation, setting your foundation of faith before coming to Texas Tech. And we were playing games. You can see they're playing the game back here. I am not playing the game. It might look like I am. I'm running laps around the field because I had to get my three miles in for the day. My eating disorder was binge eating disorder. So I basically, I would eat um, like 600 calories a day, which is less than a third of the recommended um, calorie count for a, the average person. Um, and I was, I was running three and a half miles a day. I was working out twice a day. I was waking up at five to get my workouts in before class. I was going to bed at six because I had no energy. I was, I was, I was literally killing myself. And then one day a week, I would get so tired of it that I would go out and eat like 14,000 calories. Um, my nickname at the Walmart by my, my parents' house when I was home over the last summer, kind of at the tipping point, was the Candyman. Because I would come in Friday nights after hanging out with my friends and I would just go down the candy aisle and grab whatever I wanted. And I was eating, I mean, there were nights it would be like 20,000 and then I would feel guilty. And then I let the guilt start it all over again. And I don't want to spend too much time on that because I don't want to give anyone any ideas about eating disorders, but they're horrible. Look at that picture on the left. I look miserable. Like my friend's being a goofball over here. This is at a high school graduation party. And like, that's just how I looked. This was just an example. Like, that wasn't like, oh, they caught me looking. This was like me trying to have fun. Like, I'm having fun here. I was miserable. And the, biggest, and the craziest thing was, I was doing this to try to gain acceptance from people, but it was causing me to isolate myself because I wasn't having any fun when I was out because I had no energy. I had nothing. And at the same time, I'm still, you know, I'm still leading Bible studies. And I say that to say, you go through tough times. It's like in Psalm 46. We still go through the storms. The storms are real. But God is real too. And I was looking in all of the wrong places. I was, my identity was rooted in what I thought people thought of me. And what I realized is, um, we, how many of us think about that a lot? Like, I wonder what this person thinks about me. Eh, they're probably not thinking that much about you. I was caught up in it. It, it. it was rooted in a pride issue. I was like, oh, this person thought this about me at the party. I'm like, they knew I was there, barely, because I would leave at 5 o'clock, because I had no energy. It was all rooted in this, this drive for acceptance that was actually pulling me further away. It was calling me out of relationships like me and my dad are essentially best friends. And I was like horrible every day. First of all, I thought I looked good. Eating disorders are as mental as they are physical. Because I thought I looked good, I still thought I had weight to lose. And I would like walk around and people would be like, oh, you look so skinny. And to me, that's like, oh, money. Oh, I love that. I love that. Feed me more of that. I want more of that. But what they were telling me was, you look sick. 
They just didn't know how to say it. And the one person that would call me out on it was my dad, because I'd be in there cooking breakfast that I had no intention of eating, but it was all for the show of it, to make it my dad think I was eating eggs in the morning. And I would go out there without my shirt on, and like he said in the video, you could see my spine. You could see my ribs. My dad serves in ministry, and he goes over to Africa a lot, and they feed starving children. He told me that's what I look like, and I just thought he was being the overprotective parent. So parents in the room, or if you're friends with someone that's going through this, I want to encourage you to be patiently persistent. Don't give up. Keep pushing into them. But know it's gonna, you're never going to force someone to open their eyes to what's happening. You can only direct them to the right path. So me and my dad were getting in fights all the time. We were best friends, and this summer was miserable. And I say that word a lot when I talk about this because it's true. I was, I was in a horrible place. Um, and then eventually, my dad was like, hey, you want a trainer? And what kind of 21-year-old guy says no to that? Hey, yeah, I want a trainer. You know, I want to look like uh, Thor. You know, not fat Thor, though. Like, I, I want to look like, you know, Hemsworth. Like, ah. Like, that's why in that one picture that they, that they showed in the video, of, it was when I had the eating store. You see me, I'm like flexing. Like, I thought I looked awesome. And I was, I was so, so wrong in the wrong place mentally. And it's because I was searching in all the wrong places. It says in John 5, 44, how can you believe since you accepted glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? I was looking for others to validate me. I wasn't paying attention to what they, like they mentioned at the main event last night. Each one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made to be exactly the person we're called to be by God. Not the person sitting next to you, not the person you see on TV that you want to look like. Side note, can we talk about that? Magazines are edited. If you see a girl in a magazine and you're like, oh, I wish I had that bikini body, well, she, she wishes the same thing because she doesn't have it. Or you see the guys on the, you know, anyone Christian Bale, Batman fans? That guy gets ripped for Batman all the time. But he's wearing a suit. And then he gets, and then he'll do a, another role, and he's just tearing apart his body. And it's just not good for him. And when I see someone with an eating disorder, that, that's what triggers in my mind, is I know that it's not good for them physically, but there's also something there mentally. And I think one of the ways we can help people or help ourselves is stop letting Instagram likes or Facebook likes dictate our validation and know who we are in Christ. Wrap our identity in Christ because he adores you and he loves you. And in insecurity, that is looking at yourself. But when you look at God, you have confidence. Insecurity and fear are no longer telling my story. And if any of y'all are going through an eating disorder, know that, or you know someone that's going through one, know that that's the truth with them too. You have to continually be patiently persistent in pushing and pursuing them with, with Christ with love. Don't ever go accusing either. I always thought people were on the attack of me. And the first person, the reason it didn't work when my parents were telling me was because I thought, oh, they're just being overprotective parents. 
And I would have had an excuse for anyone, but this third party came in, and by the grace of God, you saw him in there with his Marvel sleeve. He's a goofball, man. But he loves Jesus, and he had the education. I wasn't doing this to myself because I, because I, I self-harm. I didn't know. I wasn't educated. There's an education gap that he was able to point me to the right things nutritionally and in the gym. But God works in a lot of ways, and a lot of times he uses people that are in your lives. And Justin is a devout Christian. In fact, he's actually just moved to Colorado to pursue full-time ministry and is no longer training in gyms. And, and to me, it's, it's unique how God uses those situations. Everything, everything pointed me back to him. Not that I wasn't not, like, I didn't live some wild lifestyle. I wasn't, like, far from God. But I just was searching in all the wrong places. The enemy gives us three lies. And we, we can see these in, um, in the temptation of Christ. It's, I am what I do. Anyone relate to this? Did you hear what they said in the Today Show video? They said, Bo, studying for an accounting role, and you can ask any of the youth in my youth group, they give me a hard time because I never tell them I'm an accountant. It is what I do, but it is not who I am. Trust me. The, the next one is, I am what people think. This is probably the biggest one, and we've already talked about it. But how many of us, so, hand, show of hands, social media, Show of hands, who gets upset when your post does not get as many likes as you want it to? That's because we're, we're, we're seeking that validation, and that's something we're going to have to overcome. And it's, it's nothing that um, is necessarily unordinary. Everyone wants to be uh, loved and acknowledged. But let's, let's make that not from Instagram, because you know, maybe just somebody gave up the social media fest. I gave up social media for six weeks recently, and I had a, had a girl at work come up to me, and she goes, you didn't like my post. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm not on social media. <laughs> You're not on social media? How, how are you connecting with people? And I was like, in person. It's this weird thing that people used to do. <laughs> and the third, the third point is, I am what I have. I was just talking to a lady up in the adult leader section today about about Dallas, because, you know, Dallas, everyone knows the TV show, like the big hair, you know, and fancy this, fancy that. And I was like, none of that's real. People show off what they have. One of the, one of the old owners at my gym, everyone thought he was some multimillionaire because he had nice cars, nice house. Well, nobody thought that when he came and uh, a guy came and repossessed his car and his house was foreclosed. And I, I don't say that to make fun of him at all. I say that I feel sorry for him because he was finding his validation in what others perceived him as. What he had was who he was. And then one day it was all taken away. And thankfully there was people there like my dad, my, my trainer, myself, good Christian people around him to comfort him and get him. And he's, he's doing incredible things now too up in New York. So I say this to say, when Jesus, when Jesus is tempted, the devil tempts him with those three same things, just in different ways. Not, not playing out like that, but the devil's not going to attack you like that either. He's not going to say, here's what I, 
I'm going to attack you by telling you that you're, uh, you are what you have. He doesn't work that way. He gets you on Instagram. Sorry. Uh, sorry. I have to. It's fun. I love the gram, though. Um, the, the way Jesus combated it every single time, he said, he started off by saying, it is written. He went to the word. And does anyone know what the word represents when we're in Ephesians and we're talking about the body armor of God? Anyone? Sword? That's right. Brownie points. I saw you say it. And uh, if you look at the body armor of God, the sword is the only offensive weapon. It goes against the attacks. It's so important that we're always pointing back to Christ, that our identity is found in that. That's what's going to help this the most. It's the only thing that ultimately is going to solve anything. It's, it's the ultimate solution. So I want to talk about white stones. And in Revelation 2.17, I'm actually a low-key plug. I just started a um, ministry with a friend called White Stones Movement. It literally launch, launches like next week. The first Instagram video went up today. And there we go again, Instagram. Um, But it says, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to his churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give him some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone. And on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except for the one who receives it. In, In these times when Revelation was being written, a white stone signified innocence. When you, when you went to court, you found out your, if you were innocent or guilty based on what the judge put out, a white stone or a black stone. And so when we understand that and we read that God's going to give us a white stone with a new name written in it, that's when, we're, when we become believers, when we're, when we're faithfully and obediently following Christ. He gives us a white stone. And to me, I have mine. This is one they brought. This is mine that I have. And I keep it right next to my toothbrush so I see it every morning. And it reminds me that my identity is found in the name that Christ has given me. Not in anything else. Not in what others think I, think I have. Not in what others say I am. And not in what I do. But in who Christ says I am. God, we just come to you today. We come to you bowing before you, acknowledging who you are. And who that you say we are. We know that in you, all things are possible. And that you made us fearfully and wonderfully. God, I pray that you just allow us to understand the, the innocence, the release that we get from you because you sent your son to die for us. You sent your son to die for me, for everyone in this room individually. I know we talk about it on a corporate level a lot, but you literally died for each individual one of us so that we may live eternally with you. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to do a quick Q&A. I personally think to a degree we all struggle with a little bit of anxiety, but that wasn't an overriding um, situation with mine. 
I was, I was scarred by the fact that I was called overweight my entire life. And that, and I never, I never let, this is a good, I'm glad you brought this up, because I never let people know that they were hurting my feelings. Because I'm a people pleaser by nature. So mine was a pure result of that, those wounds that I never addressed, let alone let heal. Um, I think there's a lot of good resources out there if you or, or you know someone that's struggling with anxiety as a result of that. Um, I think my, I had a little bit of social anxiety about like just over, in regards to acceptance. But I would um, recommend nita.org, I think is what they just changed their website to. It used to be National Eating Disorder Awareness.org, which is a lot, not full. So they have a ton of material there that can help you and actually equip others and ourselves to help others, which is important because we need to be educated in order to properly help with the actual eating disorder. The spiritual thing is the foundation. I had never had anyone tell me what proper eating looked like. In growing up in Texas playing football, I was 6'4", 300 pounds. My coaches loved that. They did not care how I got there. They wanted to win football games. And we played some big guys. And they wanted me there. So they didn't, they didn't care how I was at 300 pounds as long as I was at 300 pounds. So then I tried to do it myself. And, you know, another, another thing, another little tangent. Not everything on YouTube is accurate. I used a lot of YouTube resources to help me. And a lot of that was actually, a lot of those videos, the diet videos, are fueled by people that also have eating disorders and haven't been properly educated. So it was that it was presented in an accurate and different light than I had ever been presented it before. And it just kind of made sense. I was like, oh, your body does need food to, as fuel to literally get around, especially here. Make sure you're eating. And a lot of walking. Um, last thing on, on your, because I think this is a good point that I didn't actually bring up, but I do want to bring it up, is I actually had a doctor tell me, I went in at the time that I was started with my trainer, and he actually told me that I was at a level where my kidneys were about to fail, my uh, testosterone levels were so low that it may have been possible that I wasn't ever going to be able to have kids. There are serious physical impl implications that come with eating disorders, as well as the mental one. I'm very, and these people right here can tell you, I'm very planned out, and I, I live a very healthy lifestyle now. Um, I know my limitations. I know that if there's not some sort of structure, then I tend to overeat or not eat. So I normally come in with a game plan. I think in the video, Justin, my trainer, says that if you're not planning um, your nutrition, like your finances, then you're setting yourself up to failure. Not saying that you will fail, but why not plan out? So yes, I have to, I've had to reshape my whole view of food um, and realize that it's not bad to eat a hamburger. Like, you know, I went to a diner this afternoon for lunch and I just ordered off the menu. I didn't, I didn't think about it. But I also know that I, I can't personally probably walk into a CC's without something being triggered and wanting to have 30 pieces of pizza because we set ourselves up in our situations. Just like a, um, an alcoholic probably shouldn't be in a bar. I, I know my, you have to just figure it out and it's different for each person.
So if you're going through it, figure it out what it is for you. If you know someone that's going through it, be patient with them. It's like, you know, I, I use the, an alcohol ex, is a, just a typical thing that people struggle with. But it's like, I'm not going to ask my buddy who struggles with alcohol to come hang out with me. I'm going to be understanding when he's like, no, I don't want to go watch the game there. So if you know someone that's going with an eating disorder and they say, hey, I don't, they're recovering from it and they say, hey, I don't feel comfortable going there. Respect that. Don't, make, don't belittle them from that because that might trigger a lot of different issues. Was I guilty or angry at myself because I let myself go through it? At first, I think I was, felt a little bit of guilt because I thought, oh, I should have known better. Um, but I, I overcame that really fast because I realized that really no one was ever telling me the truth. So like I was set up for failure in a way. But I think that you can't let those emotions rule you either or rule anyone because there should be no guilt and shame. You can't change what happened yesterday, but you can sure happen, change what's happening today and tomorrow. So we can't live in a, in a spirit of fear or guilt when it comes to that. It's a good question, though. Like I said, I was cooking eggs in the kitchen. My dad didn't know that I was calorie restricting until he saw like food wrappers in the trash that still had food in them and things like that. So if, right, like in anything, if you, if you kind of know that what you're doing is not 100% right, you're going to cover it up in a way. And so yes and no. Again, it's, I, I, I hate to say that, but it depends on the situation. And if you have an instance that you want to talk about, I can definitely shed some light into that. But when, when did I feel like I finally accepted um, my body? And I want to say this, and the guy said it last night, and he had a kind of similar story to me. It's still a battle. It's never like, oh, I'm perfect now. Like, watch out. Like, you know, I still, like, <laughs> I'm a human. But I became comfortable in who I was, and I th it clicked pretty soon once I started getting back on track because I felt better. I, I didn't have any drive to do anything. Like, I couldn't serve as a... Like, good Lord, coming to a national youth gathering, I would have, like, if that would have happened while I had the eating disorder, I wouldn't have been able to walk as far as some of us have to walk and things like that. I just physically wouldn't have been able to do it. So the physical changes, feeling better, actually really helped the mental things. Um, but it really, like I said when I was talking earlier, it really came down to the spiritual, mental, and physical connection together. And... Like I said, I, I still struggle with it at times, but not to the point that it leads me to do anything that's... Are you afraid that you'll go back to that mental, physical state? I have to go to battle against it every day because I know, I know where my weaknesses lie. Am I afraid? No, because now I have so rooted myself in that foundation and I put the right people around me. I changed my playground and I changed my playmates. And I was able to use the both of those to set up a foundation that works. So I would encourage you, do this in community. Share what you're going through with someone. Someone that cares about you, someone that loves you, someone that loves Jesus. Because they'll connect all three parts.